Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me as we continue our discussion into the shack. I'm joined by my friend and teaching elder at Kootenai Community Church, Jim Osmond. And by the way, Jim, I should have done this in other programs. Uh, You have written some books, and they are available. Well, you've written one on spiritual warfare, truth or territory, Mm -hmm. title truth or territory. You've written one on... People who claim to have been to heaven, selling the stairway to heaven. And your next book is entitled Prosperity of the Wicked. Right. A study of Psalm 73. Study. What is Psalm 73 about? Psalm 73 is is a a recounting of Asaph's struggle. Asaph was a worship leader in the temple under King David. And in Psalm 73, he, uh, he recounts his struggle of how he saw the wicked prospering. And it almost caused his feet to slip and abandon his belief that God is good. And then he gets a proper perspective on the wicked in the end of the psalm and comes to understand that the nearness of God is his good and that God is near to the righteous and not to those who are wicked. It gives a proper perspective on the issue of prosperity. Yeah, yeah. So it does a much better job of dealing with those type issues than does the shack. So. <laughs> and by the time this program airs, it should be available in Kindle and within a couple of weeks available in print. Excellent. Okay, so in Kindle, and it's called The Prosperity of the Wicked. Yep. And you can get your books on Amazon or... Or trutherterritory.com is probably the place to go to link to all of the resources there. Yeah. And that, that's actually better for you, correct? Trutherterritory.com. Yeah. yeah. Because it's the same way with me with my book, Do Not Hinder Them. Uh, it's, it's you wrote a book? The, I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, it's it's uh, probably not worth very much, but uh, but yes, I did write a book. Uh, so, yeah, go to uh, trutherterritory.com. And your other book is available there as well. Yeah, correct. Right. Yep. People who claim to have been to heaven. So between uh, between you and I and William Young, we've sold twenty million books between the three. Yes, of us. we have. Yeah. Yes, we have. Between you and me and William P. Young. Yeah. Never mind that our contribution is like point zero 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 one percent. But but uh, okay. That was a generous estimate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, let's pick up where we left off. In our last program, we talked about the errant Christology of the shack, the portrayal of both the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about some other theological issues dealing with God, specifically his sovereignty, uh, his omniscience, and we'll talk about the problem of evil. So uh, diving right in here, Jim, sovereignty of God, that's that's a broad uh, term and encapsulates encompasses a great deal within sovereignty. But give us the cliff note version. What when theologians when we talk about sovereignty of God, what what do we mean there? We mean that God is in the heavens and He does what He pleases. So we mean that yeah, that He is able to do anything. That He rules all things. That there's not one renegade molecule in all of the universe. That He is sovereign in creation. He is sovereign over redemption. He is sovereign over the providential ruling of all things for His own glory and His purposes. And that nothing happens outside of His, of His, the purview of His power or abilities. It doesn't mean that God is responsible for moral evil. It means that God is not, that moral evil does not take place and does not occur outside of His, 
of his control or ability to stop, God causes or allows to happen all things that do come to pass. And he is free to do so. God is absolutely free to rule the universe and all things in whatever way he should so determine. Nothing can ward off or stay his hand in the execution of any of his purposes. Yeah. And dear friends, if you haven't done so, I'll say like uh, the last opportunity that I had to preach at Kootenai, um, one of the comments I made in my sermon, I said, if you have not done a study of the attributes of God, now I went through the attributes of God on this program a year and a half or more or so ago. But if you're a new listener, if you have not done a study on the attributes of God, please do yourself a favor, study the attributes of God. Arthur Pink, A.W. Pink has a really good, uh, easily digestible book on the attributes of God. Please do yourself a favor. Study the attributes of God. Uh, it will be of immense value to you. But, okay, Jim, so now that we have a working definition and understanding of God's sovereignty, I thought throughout the movie the sovereignty of God was directly attacked. The, the God in, little g God, in the shack was not portrayed as sovereign, not according to the biblical understanding. No, not at all. Um, in, in fact, this is where the the shack misfires. The shack proposes to present a solution to this problem of God's sovereignty, his ability and his love, and and an answer to the problem of human suffering and evil in our world. And the answer to human suffering or evil in our world is the sovereignty of God. Uh, Spurgeon said the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which he lays his head at night. It is something that we should rest in and take comfort in, that God is sovereign, that he is in control. And yet, that's the one thing that the movie really never portrayed in any kind of a positive or or robust way at all. Um, I, I would say that it, it without without disparaging the sovereignty of God, he never really presented a positive case for the sovereignty of God. So yeah. he never really alludes to that as the solution to the suffering. It is in the fact that Papa is doing all she can, he can, to remedy the situation, to work everything out for good. You know, we need to trust, we need to have faith, we need to forgive, we need to not judge God for not being able to do his best in these situations. That's kind of how God is portrayed in the shack, not as the sovereign king of creation who is allowing rebels to run their rebellious course and who will judge them all at the end of time and who is allowing evil for a purpose, that purpose being the glory of God's name and the good of God's people, that type of sovereignty and that type of, of, of glory of God and his purpose in those things is never presented as the solution to this dilemma of human right. suffering. Right. Papa seemed, Papa was troubled by evil. Yeah. That's fair to say uh, in the mood. Papa was troubled by, by it, but seemingly unable to do anything about it. Yeah. And, and. Almost as if Papa is responding to the events as they unfold and doing his, her best to react to it and to make something good come out of it. Though, though, that she's really not able to do everything she might want to do with those events. You just have to trust that she's doing the best that she can do with those events. And, and later on in the movie, one of the things that supposedly helps Mac out is this realization that Papa can't do any more with these things than he can, or he couldn't do any better than Papa could do. Yeah. If he were given the same situations, the same cards, dealt with the same cards that Papa has dealt, he couldn't do any better with it than she has done. And so he really shouldn't judge her for allowing these things to happen and, and doing what she has done with these things. Right. Yeah, and I could I can't help but to think, especially in the when we look at the society in which we live today and what's going on with uh, 
gender identity and you can just, if you have, as I've heard you say, wake up one morning, if you're feeling especially pretty that day, you can just decide that you're a woman. And, uh, and I, I kept having these thoughts in my mind as I'm watching the movie as Papa is portrayed as a, as a female, you know, and she self-identifies as a, as a female. It's just kind of, unfortunately, rather, rather in keeping with what we're seeing in our society today, which is not a good thing. And we, we might explain why it is that, that justification is given when Papa first appears yeah, as a woman. I don't think we dealt with that. No, we didn't. As, when Papa first appears as a woman in the movie, um, the explanation that is given is she says, I didn't think that you could handle a father figure given your past. And of course, remember that Mac was abused by his father as a child. So he has this uh, love-hate relationship with men in his life and father figures in his life because the only father figure he's ever been familiar with was a, an abusive drunk. Right. So that's why God, the father, appears in the female form, you know, sort of accommodating him herself to whatever whatever Mac could handle at the time. Right. As, as if to suggest that the the answer for that situation is not for Mac to understand the issues of sin and what happened there and who God really is, but that God sort of appears however we need him in whatever circumstance he is. If he had had a, a horrible relationship with men and women growing up and had a great relationship with a dog, then maybe <laughs> maybe God would have appeared to him in the it's form a, of a talking dog. Hound yeah, you, yeah. That, that's, the, that's the justification that is given for him being a woman. Which is, I mean, carry that out to its logical. That's, that's God catering to the whims and fancies of man. Right. Whatever we need, that's how God will, that's what God will be to us rather than us conforming ourself and our worship and our understanding of who God is to truth. That's really what should happen. If I have a bad father figure, which I did, I mean, I had no father figure. My, my father was a alcoholic. My father was a, an, an adulterer. My father was never there. I didn't have any kind of a good father figure, um, growing up because I didn't, I grew up in a, with a single mom. So, but, but the problem, the solution for that is that I would learn what true fatherhood is supposed to be, that I would look to God and accommodate my understanding of what reality should be according to who he is, not that I would expect him to accommodate his reality and his being to what I need or perceive I need at any given moment. Right. And, and we really are, and, and this is this is in keeping with what we see from, the prosperity gospel or see from Joel Osteen, we are the center of the universe. Man is the center of the universe and everything that God does is really about us. No, he's a cosmic bellhop who's there to give us whatever we need. Right, right. Yeah. All right. So um, sovereignty is attacked. So is God's omniscience. Uh, there's one scene in the movie, Jim, where Sarayu, they're, they're sitting down at the, at, the, at the dinner table and they're eating a meal. And uh, at one point, uh, Mac takes a bite of food and he says, oh, my G-O-D. Takes God's name in vain. Yeah. And Papa says, and then Mac, it's like once he says it, then he realizes what he said and looks at Papa and he says, oh, I'm sorry. And Mac says something. I mean, uh, Papa says something to the effect of, oh, don't worry about it. I didn't make it anyway, which is, I thought, just a very flippant. uh, She said, I did make it. After all, I did make it. She was the one who oh, made she the said food. After yeah. I did make. Oh, yeah. I thought she said I didn't make no. it. Like maybe Sarayu made it. No, she's the one who made oh, the meal. Okay. So she excused it, saying, "Well, that's right. I was the one that made it." Oh, so it was okay, so okay. good that he said, "Oh my!" and took God's name in vain to describe His goodness for the, how much He enjoyed the food. This was so amazing. Oh my! 
And then he says the guy's she name says, in vain. Okay. She said, that's okay. I made it anyway. I, I mean, made it anyway. Yeah, okay, so yeah. It's, it's all right to blaspheme take my name in vain. Yeah, so it's okay. I mean... God's fine with that. Right. God's God's okay with you taking his name in vain. Never mind that it's, that it's uh, yeah, in the commandments. So, all right. Um, now, okay, back to that so it's same scene. At one point, Sarayu, the Holy Spirit, says to Mac, they're talking about Mac's children. Sarayu says, quote, to Mac, quote, we... We love getting to know the kids through your eyes. Okay, we love getting to know the kids. And you don't have to read far between the lines. In other words, it's almost they didn't know the kids until uh, Mac had them. And it's almost like God is in this perpetual state of discovery. And he's learning things right alongside with us. And so there, God is getting to know the kids, just like Mac is, in his perpetual state of discovery. And fast, God is just fascinated by us and learning things. And that, of course, that leads to all kinds of issues. It is an attack on the omniscience of God. Uh, it's open theism. Yeah, it is. Uh, and an attack upon God's foreknowledge. Right. right. Does he know us before the foundation of the world and have a loving relationship with us? Right. Know about us? Or is is he just, you know, our existence... And what we might do is just all a guess guesswork to God, right? Right. So there's just discovering the future alongside of us, right alongside with us. So just again, back to what we said in an earlier program, it's amazing how much Young's portrayal of God reflects Himself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it goes right back to what he said. I, God's I just as ignorant of His kids as Young is. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to know what God, so I looked in the mirror to, <laughs> to learn what God was like. Okay, all right. Now, the problem of evil. This gets back to the whole crux of the, the movie. Uh, trying to answer this question about how can God be all-powerful and all-loving at the same time and there still be evil in the world. And Young tries to craft it in such a way that God is given a pass. He's unable to do anything about evil. But yet we know from Scripture, as you said earlier, God is not the author of evil. evil but yet... In his sovereign decree, the decree of God, another one of his attributes, he has ordained it. Uh, he, has, he has decreed it, not that he's the author of it, but he has decreed it. And it is part of his sovereign plan. Uh, Romans 8.28, we know that God works all things together for the good, not that all things are good. It's not good when a little girl is murdered. Hmm. It's not good when someone gets cancer. It's not good when a child dies in a car accident. These are not good things. So it's not that everything is good, but God in his sovereign decree works everything towards the good. That's his providential working. And his decree is that evil should exist for a period of time and that it should be used by him to accomplish his purposes, which is God will bring himself glory out of the evil that he has allowed. Okay. He has a sufficiently, a morally sufficient reason for allowing evil. And right. when the scales of justice are balanced and the final chapters are written and his people are redeemed and the evil are punished, eternally so, and death is finally conquered, we will stand on the other side of that event in eternity and say, it is well with my soul, it is good, what God has done is good, the judge of all the earth has done what is right. And we will understand God's purposes for evil. And in the meantime, we simply have to trust him 
Uh, not just that he is working these things for our good and that ultimately we will be, ultimately that these things will be worked out for our good. We have to trust not only that, but that God has purposes in this that he has not revealed. One of the purposes of God in evil is that he is working these things for our good. But he hasn't revealed all of his purposes for evil. You know, God is doing things and allowing things to happen because he is working out a plan that will be ultimately for his greatest glory and for our greatest good. And we have to trust that. He has told us that much. Right. And dear friends, if you don't have, um, if you have not come to grips with the sovereignty of God, if that's not something that, that you you understand as much as we can understand it this side of, of heaven in, in a fallen world, if you don't have a, a grasp, if you're not clinging to the sovereignty of God, then this this life is going to be, gosh, what's the word? Extraordinarily frustrating. You're going to stay up at night wrestling with these things. It's not that we fully understand them, but but uh, it, you, what do you say to Spurgeon that said it was the sovereignty yeah. of God? That's a good quote. The pillow on which he laid the his head. Pillow on which, so it's, it's your source of rest, comfort. Yeah. If you didn't have that, if I didn't believe in the sovereignty of God, I would I would I would despair. And, and, and denying the sovereignty of God is no answer to the problem of evil. If you deny that God is sovereign over these things and, and God is absolutely in control and you say, well, instead, God didn't know they were going to happen, then it means you start heading that direction and denying that God controls it or has decreed it or anything like that. It's no answer to the problem of evil unless you become an, an open theist. Eventually, you have to deny his foreknowledge. If you begin to deny his sovereignty, right. you're going to be led down a path where eventually you deny that God even knew this was going to happen. God created the devil not knowing what it was, what he was going to do. Right? So then you become an open theist. You're going to have to, if you start to deny sovereignty, you're going to eventually have to deny his foreknowledge, or not foreknowledge in a foreloving sense, but his, his omniscience of each, of things that might and could happen. Because an Arminian or a, a person who denies God's sovereignty and says, well, God doesn't really control any of these things. He's, he, he, he doesn't, didn't know they were going to happen. He's just allowing them to happen. Well, then did, did God know that the devil was going to fall when he created the devil? And if he knew that, and if God knew ahead of time that the devil was going to fall and that Adam would then fall and that Adam would plunge his entire race and progeny into, into sin, did God know that ahead of time? And if God knew that ahead of time and knew that all these people would be born who would never repent and would perish everlastingly in eternal hell, if God knew all of that, right. then you still, then, then you're still stuck you with, still got the same you still got the same issue. You're still wrestling with the same issue of, of does God control those things? Right. Right. So in, in order to try and alleviate God of this, of this problem of evil, so it doesn't look like he's morally culpable or responsible for it, people deny either his sovereignty or they deny his um, knowledge of these things, and the only logical conclusion of that is a form of open theism, which is is not good. Which which is why the movie having the the movie providing no answer in terms of the sovereignty of God for the suffering of evil ends up denying both omniscience and God's power, because he's he's still trying to find a solution that is not God sovereign over these things right. and mystery, and so we end up denying God's power and God's foreknowledge and, and omniscience in an attempt to answer the problem of evil. Denying the sovereignty of God to answer the problem of evil is no solution to the problem. That's right. That's right. It just kicks a can down the road a little ways, and, and you, as you said, you've still got the, the same issue. This is this is why the sovereignty of God is so, so important. If you don't understand the sovereignty of God, you're going to have a very difficult time understanding the Bible. It's really not going to make any sense. Uh, and and Young, William Paul Young tries to answer a question a great question, a, 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 a question that the vast majority of people have, 
but he does so in a very unbiblical way and therefore creates a false god and that leads into idolatry and, and all of these things so it, if you if you got the sovereignty of God wrong, you're going to have an awful lot wrong, and that ultimately is the solution that William P. Young never arrives at. Right, is trusting in the sovereignty of God over these things and understanding that God is not responsible for these moral evils. We are, and um, and we're going to have to save this for. We're almost running out of time here, so we have to save this for the next program. But um, he never wants to lay the problem for these evil things at the feet of those who commit the evil deeds. Yes. Right. It's not, right. We have to say that we live in a fallen world. Ultimately, this goes back to Adam's sin. Right. Right. Sin entered because of one man's disobedience. And so death through that sin. And so all men have died in Adam. And that death, the entrance of death and disease and decay and the frustration that pl- plagues are, are groaning and falling world all comes from Adam's sin. And and our participation in that. We are evil people. We deserve these horrible things. And so. Right. When we ask the question, why do, and, and Mac would have asked this question in the movie, though he didn't, this is really the implied question behind the movie, why do good things, ha- bad things happen to good people? See, that's the assumption that Mac is a good person, that Mac's wife is a good person, that Missy, the abducted daughter, was a good person, that all of these people who were victims of this tragedy were good people. And, and that's wrong. They're all wicked people. We are wicked people. We are evil. We are, we are depraved and we are lost and we are fallen and we are darkened in our understanding and we've lost and enemies and rebels against God and all of that can only be reconciled and can only be righted through the redemption that's in Christ. And the assumption behind the movie is that these bad things happen to these good people. And, And we need to flip that entirely on its head and say bad things happen to all of us because we are all bad people and we don't even get what we deserve. Right. That's right. And the proper question is, why does, why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? Right. Because there are no good people. There, there are only are no bad good. people. Romans 3. I yeah. Mean, there are none. There's none righteous. No, not one. So it's a, it's an, it's a very diminished view of God. And it's a very elevated view of man. Mm-hmm. If I should lose all of my children to disease or to death or to abduction or to murder, and I were to lose all of my worldly possessions, and I were to be enough with nothing, not even the clothes on my back, and I were to lose my wife, and I were to lose my health, and I were to die in misery and pain, God would have done me no wrong. Right. Not a bit. I could lose absolutely everything and suffer horrible physical torments. God would have done me no wrong because I deserve all of that and so much more because of my sin. But I get the amazing and magnificent grace of God instead. And uh, that's what should have been pointed out in the movie as the solution to that suffering issue. And and the premise needs to be challenged, that we're all good people. That is the biblical worldview, and yet that was completely and totally absent from the movie. In fact, the opposite of that was portrayed in the movie. So it's a very, start to finish, it's a very un, unbiblical portrayal of Christian theology, biblical theology. Mm-hmm. Very, I mean, 180 degrees opposite, and that's why the movie is such an utter failure in what it attempts to do. And uh, as Paul says, false teaching spreads like gangrene. False teaching, error always begets more error. And so uh, it's troubling when I see so many comments from people, oh, this movie blessed me. It helped me so much. Help me to understand. No, it didn't. It gave you a false understanding. It gave you a false God, a false Christ, false Holy Spirit, false gospel, false view of man, false view of God. Okay, dear friends. Uh, please join us for our next program. And until then, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. 
If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.